this morning, um, we're in Ephesians three fourteen through 21, and we're at a time where Paul prays. And as he prays, he prays because as he looks at God's people, it appears to him that they're discouraged. And so he says, um, don't lose heart. He wants them to gain heart, not lose heart. There are a lot of things that can cause us to lose heart. Maybe someone spoke something to us that crushed us. You know, someone has said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that's a bunch of ick. Because words hurt. Or maybe it's a loss. A relationship that's been severed through a hard word or, or maybe through death or distance. Things can happen that discourage us. Um, you know, I listening this morning in worship, two things of minor discouragement that caught my attention. Number one, as my kids will attest, I have no rhythm. And we were trying to do this clap thing, and I can't do that. Kids say, stop, don't do that. And then second thing, Roy, one of my excuses in basketball is I'm vertically challenged. Well, Roy destroyed that this morning, five, six. I should be thankful for my height. But all joking aside, Paul, as he looked at God's people and he saw their discouragement, he thought, I don't want them to lose heart. I love them. I want them to gain heart. I want them to be reminded of how much our God loves them and how He's at work in our lives and how there's so much to be encouraged about instead of discouraged. He didn't want people to lose heart. He wanted them to gain heart. And so let's turn with that in mind to his prayer because, guys... This sense that the people were down and discouraged is what led to this prayer. It's Ephesians three fourteen through 21 And I'm going to ask you in honor to our God to stand as I read from the Scripture. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God." Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that it is work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, here we are. And there is some discouragement among us, Lord. And I pray that You would instill courage instead of losing heart, that we might gain heart today, Lord. And help us to look at this prayer of Paul and be um, encouraged, Lord, as we seek this same God that he sought, as we long to be renewed and have a fresh touch from the God who lifts us up when we're down. 
And I just pray you speak to us, Lord. We need to hear from you, God. Minister to our hearts, Lord. I pray for your anointing and for the filling of your spirit. And I pray for the filling of your people, Lord, that we might hear what you want us to hear and that we might become what you want us to be. We love you and we need you. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, as I thought about losing heart, um, it made me think of one of the toughest jobs, and that's to be a parent. And uh, I ran across this list from a struggling mom of some things that she had learned from being a mom of kids. Uh, Number one, she said, there's no such thing as child-proofing your house. Two, when you hear the toilet flush and the words, "Uh uh-oh, it's already too late. Three, brake fluid mixed with Clorox makes smoke and lots of it. Four, a six-year-old can start a fire with a flint rock even though a 36-year-old man says they can only do it in the movies. Five, Legos will pass through the digestive tract of a four-year-old. Next, garbage bags do not make good parachutes. You probably do not want to know what that odor is. And then lastly, always look in the oven before you turn it on. (laughs) Amen. Now, you know, it's interesting. As I studied this, I also had a list from kids, what they learned growing up. So here's from the kids' side. Number one, no matter how hard you try, you cannot baptize a cat. Number two, when your mom is mad at your dad, don't let her brush your hair. Third, never ask your three-year-old brother to hold an egg. Next, you can't trust dogs to watch your food for you. Don't sneeze when someone's cutting your hair. You can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. Amen. And then last, never wear polka dot underwear under white shorts. Things that kids learn as well. There are things that can discourage us, lessons that we learn along the way because of the struggle of life. We get down. No matter how far up we are, we can come crashing down. I think one of the greatest illustrations of this in the Bible is one of my favorite biblical characters, Elijah the prophet. Man, Elijah was so excited on the mountaintop of God. As it says, there were 800 false prophets that stood against him in this confrontation that made the Westerns look really weak, man, at the gunslinger. He stood before all these false prophets and they were calling down fire from heaven from the one who is the true God. And, of course, we know the story of Elijah. He even put so much water on the sacrifice that it went down into a trench that was made from the overflow, the outpouring of the water. And then he prayed to God and the fire came down and licked it all up. And God proved without a doubt that he was God. And Elijah was fired up! He was he was excited. But then it was less than just a couple of... Just hours later, guys, he was running for his life. And he ended up, the Bible says, under this tree, totally distraught, ready to commit suicide. He said, God, take my life. He went from being on the mountaintop of God to being in the lowest place. Totally discouraged, totally broken, crushed. You know, it's interesting as you look in the New Testament, this phrase, lose heart... It's used here. It's only used six places in the New Testament. Five of them used by the Apostle Paul. Two of them 
we discover in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As you look in the scripture, uh, you find the apostle, the apostle Paul another time when he was on his knees and it was when he was heart stricken. Because he was with the leaders of the church at Ephesus and he had to say goodbye. This is in Acts 20. And it says that he got on his knees and they all hugged and they cried together because they knew they wouldn't see each other until glory. And he was broken over the fact of being separated from these precious believers that he had grown to love. They were his family during their time together. And he was crushed over that. He's crushed here. And the reason he's crushed here, guys, is because he is in jail. And he knows they're discouraged because... They're the reason He's there. Because He had shared the gospel with them. Because Paul had gotten in trouble giving this message of Jesus receives everybody, even guys that aren't part of the Jewish clique. God's opened the door. And that's why Paul was in jail. And he was, as he prayed, he knew they were heartbroken. And you know, it is heartbreaking when we hurt somebody we love and we we can't fix it. We can't change it. And we're a big part of the problem, of the pain that put them there. It's discouraging. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking to hurt somebody you love. And Paul knows that. He senses that and he runs to God. He says, I can't fix this. I can't fix their discouragement. So Lord, I'm running to you. And he falls on his knees to go to the only place that makes sense to go to. Notice uh, in the prayer, he says, for this reason, he senses their discouragement, their heart being lost. I kneel before the Father from whom His whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. He's on his knees because he's he's heartbroken. Uh, it's just a natural place to go is just to fall. He's saying basically before God, God, I humble myself before you because I can't lift their spirits. I need you to. I need you to supernaturally touch these people that I so love who have lost heart, God. I need you to instill heart in them, Lord. I need you to be at work. And, and you know... and. And the prayer, whether you're on your knees, whether you're standing, whether you're walking, whether you're sitting, wherever you are, your heart can 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 come out. It's not just a position. As a matter of fact, I come across this poem I thought was great on that. It says, uh, The proper way for a man to pray, said Deacon Lemuel Keys, the only proper attitude is down upon his knees. Nay, I should say the way to pray, said Reverend Dr. Wise, is standing straight with outstretched arms with wrapped and upturned eyes. Oh, no, said Elder Snow. Such posture is too proud. A man should pray with eyes fast closed and head contritely bowed. It seems to me his hands should be austerely clasped in front with both thumbs pointing to the ground, said Reverend Blunt. Last year I fell in Hodgkin's well head first, said Cyril Brown, with both my heels a sticking up, my head a pointing down, and I prayed right then and there, best prayer I ever said, the praying is prayer I ever prayed is standing on my head. Sometimes it is the position that we find ourselves in that brings out the greatest prayers. So it is with Paul and his hurting heart. Uh Four things, I just mentioned briefly that happens when we get discouraged, typically, in thinking about this, thinking it through. First, we lose energy. It's, it's physical. 
and our physical strength. Uh, One tired waitress said to another, I always start the day with a smile and get it over with. (laughs) You ever just been so drained? Oh, i got to put on that smiley face and get it over with. Second, not only are we drained physically, emotionally, we lose touch. Irritable. Grumpy. Just easily set off to anger. Or depressed. Down in the dumps, not knowing why our emotions just go haywire, go crazy. Um, It affects us emotionally. Third, uh, mentally, affects our very memory. Can't think clearly. I like to joke, uh, I mentioned this morning in Sunday school, a friend of mine, she used to always say, I lost my page. And I find myself there all the time. Sometimes I think I might have lost the whole book. But, you know, uh, you've heard the old joke where the preacher, a guy called the preacher's house, and talked to his wife, said, you know, at your age you need to be thinking more about the hereafter. And she said, I think about every time I'm in a room, I say, what am I hereafter? Mentally, just can't think clearly when we're discouraged, it affects our thoughts. And then lastly, spiritually, there becomes a distance between us and the Heavenly Father. We've lost sight of who He is and how He loves us and what He wants to do in our lives and the blessings that await us and His mission that He has for us. We just lose sight and that's what happens when we're discouraged. And all this leads Paul to pray to bring them out of that discouragement so that they don't lose heart but they gain heart. And notice as he prays, he says... I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. So He starts out and He prays and He says, I just pray that you receive the power of God. That power to to strengthen you in this time where you're weak. It made me think of 1 Peter 1, uh, as Peter writes uh, to those who are suffering. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Peter says, I know guys that you're suffering and that you're hurting, but stop, praise God, remember that in His great mercy, He's given you new birth. And it's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the hope, that's the living hope. Stop. Think that He saved you. That he, He's forgiven you. That you're His. That He walks with you. It, it, it's that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. It indwells you to give you strength. And this is what Paul is praying for too. For these who are discouraged that they may know that power. And then he goes on. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He says, I I want Christ to go down deep into your life to provide the comfort that you need and the strength that you so need, that you long for, 
in your present state of being down, that He may lift you up. And of course, it's a word picture of a, a mighty tree and the roots growing down, going down deep into the soil to be nourished and to be strengthened. And that our hearts need to go down deep into the love of Christ. That's the soil. That the, the love of Christ will nourish us and, and strengthen us and, and feed us and, and, and uplift us so that instead of losing heart, we gain heart. And as Paul prays, that's his heart. Not to just go by the feeling. Sometimes we don't feel love. Sometimes we don't feel that God is there. But it's more than that. It's knowing that we're rooted in Jesus and that nothing can, can take away that relationship. That it's safe and secure because of what He did at Calvary and how much He cares for us and loves us. That our lives are, are in that love. That that's what surpasses the pain. Is that comfort, that, that knowledge. That's what He wants to remind them of. Jesus hadn't left you. God hadn't deserted you. He's there. And He wants them to know that, guys. That's His heart. Um, one of my favorite illustrations on God's love talked about years ago, you know, before there was electricity, that some monks were meeting and it was a monk's turn to share about the love of Christ. He thought, what am I going to say? So he prayed about it and he decided to speak in the evening. And they came in with their candles into the sanctuary that was dark. And the monk was at the front and they had a... Um, large crucifix with Jesus hanging on the cross. And um, he asked everyone else to blow out their candles as they sat down. And he just took the candle over to Jesus on the cross. And he first pointed to this hand where the nail was nailed to the cross, where this hand was nailed to the cross. And then he moved to this hand. Then he went down to where the spear was thrust into the side of Jesus and then down to the feet. And then he blew out the candle. And it was all said. The love of God. It was all said at Calvary. And he's just simply saying, remember, remember how much God loves you guys. I believe that's part of his prayer. I, he, I want you to remember that love and to be built up and rooted and connected vibrantly to that love because that's what's going to make the difference. He closes with this benediction. What great words. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine. It's more than you can dream about. It's more than your mind can wrap around and grasp. God is able to do more than you thought possible. That's our God. And He does it according to His power at work in us. What an incredible, wonderful hope that we have that He will kick in and work when we can that's how he prays. He just reminds them, God is big enough and bigger to handle whatever you face. That's our God. And then he closes by saying it's his glory in the church. It's his glory in Christ Jesus through all generations. That's the focus forever and ever. And then he closes his prayer. Um, 
hey, we all face discouragement and maybe you're facing something that has particularly got you down today that's really drained the life out of you. We all get there. God doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to catch sight of Him and His love and His forgiveness. And He can do that. I want to close with an illustration. I was working on this message that caught my attention that I think fits these words. At the turn of uh, last century, now that we're in the 2000s, I didn't think I'd live till the 2000s, but made it. At the turn of uh, the century before, Japan um, came into Korea and they took over. And they were very brutal. And they did some very inhumane things to the Korean people. And of course it wasn't long before the Korean people grew to hate the Japanese with an intense hatred. One of the first things they did when they came into Korea was they boarded up all of the Christian churches, the evangelical churches, because they wanted to stamp out Christianity from Korea. But of course what they didn't learn, it's always been this way in history, Whenever you try to stamp out the church of Jesus Christ, it grows. Because when Jesus is all you got, you find out He's what He's what you need. See that? And that happened there, guys. And then as Japan grew in power and influence, you know, heading into World War II, the persecution became even more intense. And there was one Christian brother who was a pastor. He desperately wanted to be able to meet with other believers to worship. So he kept coming before uh, the police and making a request. Please, let us go into the church to worship. And he begged and he begged. And finally they said, okay. Okay. And so they opened up the church. And Koreans came from miles away with their families. They packed up in this little white church. This little white wooden church to worship. And there was so much excitement. And they came in, and what the Koreans love to do in their worship is to sing at the top of their lungs. Just sing passionately to their God, to their Savior Jesus Christ. And so they started singing with a passion that wonderful hymn, Near My God to Thee. And as they sang, those outside the church could, could hear the worship as it, as it came out of those boards. As the joyful worship of Jesus Christ surrounded the place. Only the ones in the back heard the doors being barricaded. But even they didn't hear the kerosene being poured on the white church. And then they felt the smoke enter into the building. Some of the people realized what was going on and they tried to jump out of the windows. But guns fired at them so they jumped back into the church. The pastor knew what was happening. So what did he do? He encouraged the people to continue to sing and after nearer to God, they sang these wonderful words. 
Alas, and did my Savior bleed? Did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? And just before the roof collapsed, they sang the last verse. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do at the cross, at the cross. Where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. And they went to glory there. It was a lot easier to clean away the rubble, the charred remains of the building, than it was to clear away the heart, the, the hate in the hearts of the Korean people. You see, the families that were left, although they loved Jesus, their hearts grew really hard, and the hatred really swelled within them. And this lasted for years. And it was in 1972 that a group of Japanese pastors were traveling in Korea when they came upon a monument that had been put up by the Koreans on the site where that church stood. And on that monument, the story was told of those believers who burned to death in that church, singing to Jesus. And the Japanese Christians were crushed. Although they weren't personally the ones who inflicted that pain upon their Korean brothers and sisters... They knew that it was their country that was responsible. It was their ancestors that were responsible. And and folks, they were broken over that. So they went home preaching that message with a passion. And they raised over $25,000, which means a lot more than 1972 than now. And they went back with that money and they erected another white church like the one that used to stand there. Man, they came in and a special delegation of Korean Christians were there to meet them. These Japanese Christians, they spoke and they, they poured out their heart and they begged for forgiveness. And the Koreans thanked them for their generosity. The Koreans uh, said all the right things. But they didn't forgive. Their hearts were hard. I mean, this was years of hatred that had built up over so much pain because of what was inflicted upon their loved ones. And they weren't going to let go of that. But as the service came near an end, um, they decided they would close by singing those two songs together. So they sang, Near my God to Thee. And the resistance started to melt. You could see eyes that formed tears, hearts beginning to soften. And then they sang, At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, where the burden of my heart rolled away was there by faith I received my sign. Now I'm happy all the day. And something happened. 
And the Japanese Christians ran over to the Korean believers. And with tears flowing, they begged them to forgive them. They were crushed. They were broken. They fell to their knees and they pleaded, forgive us. And at first they couldn't. But as they began to sing and as the words sank in and took root, guys, that changed. And then they began to embrace and they began to weep. And in a little white church that had once been burned and then had been restored, heaven came down. Has forgiveness entered? Has discouragement, has hearts where people had lost heart, heart was gained. And the church stood anew as those who were separated by great conflict had been brought together under the cross of Jesus. At the cross. I want to... uh, I'd ask Jeff to have that as our closing song as we have a word to respond to him in a moment. But I wanted to read those words quickly before we sing together, guys, to do business with God. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. Was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Imagine as they heard that. Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Well, might the sun in darkness hide and shut His glories in? When Christ, the mighty maker, died for man, the creature's sin. Thus might I hide my blushing face while Calvary's cross appears. Dissolve my heart in thankfulness, amen, and melt mine eyes to tears. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord. I give myself away. Tis all that I can do at the cross. At the cross where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart roll away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now I'm happy all the day. Uh, as we come, chance to respond. It's still the message of the cross. And I don't know if you're discouraged. I don't. Different reasons. But He's still the same Savior. There are different reasons we may be divided. But there's only one that brings us together. And we are gathered here because of the cross and the resurrection and the hope provided through Jesus. We have an altar to pray at to come to that power that He wants us to know. And that love He wants us to experience. We have an opportunity to break our hearts before Him and to straighten out what He wants us to straighten out, whether it's with Him or whether it's one another. He doesn't want us to lose heart, but He wants us to gain heart so we can be on mission for Him and know His love. It's what He wants. And because we have a time of invitation, I, I guess my plea is just simply that we will follow whatever He asks us to do for that to occur. So I'm going to ask you to, to stand as, as we sing in a moment after I pray and, and to come as God leads. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for an opportunity to look at this prayer of a wonderful brother named Paul. And Father, as I look at wonderful brothers and sisters who are here with me today, 
Father, may we, too, take hold of that prayer, Lord. We need your power. We need to be rooted deep in your love. And we need to understand that you can do far more than we can ask or imagine. That you, O oh God, are able. So, Lord, what do you want to do now, Lord? Is there someone here that the gospel has made sense for the first time? That there is forgiveness and a new start available by saying, Jesus, forgive me, enter my life. Your work at Calvary is enough to set me free. We want that to happen, Lord, if you want to do that in someone's heart. Just move. Or, Lord, if there's some offense that has caused us to lose heart, it needs to be let go of. Lord, like the difficulty of the Koreans as they were crushed, took the broken tears of the Japanese to speak. May the Holy Spirit speak to us now, whatever it may be. Any hardened hearts, may you soften them, Lord. We need you to work, O oh God. Have your way. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen.